Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. share this message right now can you just share uh, online facebook instagram uh, youtube can you just do me a favor and just share it forward it's going to be a very powerful message welcome for those of you online and for everyone here in person god bless you thank you for being here thank you for sharing my life and, and the ministry that god has given us together at lifehouse i've been recently at lifehouse coachella uh, was uh, just two weeks ago in lifehouse delano last week i was in san francisco with a good friend of mine that asked me for some time for us to be there and just minister at that church and God was so gracious, uh, so awesome. Uh, thank you for those of you that just pray for this movement, for the, this church uh, to, to be able, we're starting another campus in, in um, Tijuana, TJ. How many say amen? So, so yeah, come on, let's, let's, give it, let's give God glory. So TJ, just right across the border, there's so much need. There are millions of people uh, in Tijuana that need to be reached with the love of God and God has called us everybody here say pastor what this church is about is it's about transforming lives that's our mission we believe that this gospel changes lives how many say amen our vision is to lead together together uh, thousands of people to know God and then grow in community grow together and then go serve and make a difference that's our vision and our fivefold purpose here it is in this order it's to reach the lost everybody say it with me reach the lost the second one is retain the next generation. Say it. Say it with me. Retain the next generation. That means we want our children and our children's children to, to, to serve God and to serve the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many say amen? We want your kids to be in love with God uh, and to serve God. The, our third purpose of our fivefold purpose is disciple the believer. Say it with me. Disciple the believer. That's what God has called us. That's you. That's why we do life groups. That, that's why we believe in doing life together. Having you uh, identify a small group, lead a small group, use your gifts, your talents, your, your, your ministry, your giftings to, to find a posse or lead a small group, a posse. And, and it's not strangers most of the time. Most of the time it's people you know that you invite or you attract because you have influence. That's the, the theme of, our, of this last uh, sermon series on influence because you have a sphere. Of, of a sphere of influence. Everybody has gravity. Uh, it might not be a lot of gravity. It might be uh, sometimes distorted, but everybody attracts somebody or you are attracted to people that you feel like, hey, that's my friend. That's my, you know, that's my compadre, my comadre. Hey, that's my family. Now you can pick your friends. You can't choose your family. You can't pick your family. Yeah, they're all there. It is what it is, but you can improve your family. Right? Uh, that, that uncle crazy, that crazy uncle that you got, that uncle crazy, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but you, can, you can improve relationships. And so God has called us to disciple the believer. That's why we believe that there is a, a, a system, a process of life groups. And then God has called, number four, he's called us to, to equip and empower leaders. To equip and empower leaders is called a leadership pipeline. And a lot of you, that's you. Um, there's like, there are people here that you have a calling of God to do more, to be more. Some of you maybe were raised in church and you know better. And, and maybe you've seen yourself in your heart and your spirit's eye. You've seen yourself teaching or ministering or preaching or singing or worshiping or doing something for God in, in different areas and arenas that, that you are gifted uniquely by God, and yet the enemy knows how to like sideline us. He really does. And it's usually because it's our own doing, our own issues that we have. Sometimes we get hurt in church uh, because people, because the church is composed of people, and people, I'm gonna be talking about just, just some of the weaknesses that we have as people. Uh, but I'd like for you to be, if there is an emerging leader, if there is a leader in you that's latent, that's maybe uh, in the, basically in the shadows, but God wants you to emerge, I'd like for you to say, hey, I'm available. God, start working in my heart. I want to be one of those individuals that you raise up and to help lead others. Uh, so we want to equip and empower emerging leaders. And then the fifth thing that we're all about is multiplying. We'd like for every disciple or every believer to multiply yourself. 
Like, can you bring somebody else? Can you mentor someone else? Can you disciple someone else? Can you share your story with a friend that maybe does not know God or does not come to church or go to a church and he's de-churched or unchurched or does not go God? Can you multiply yourself? Can you like make God smile by sharing your story, sharing your heart, sharing your faith with somebody else and say, hey, God loves you. God has a plan. So we want you to multiply. We want every leader to multiply themselves. We want every ministry every department to multiply and every campus. We believe in multiplication. And what would happen if God just gives us one more or two more campuses this year? Maybe next year it might be two or three again. How many say amen? Together, together. Amen, let's give the Lord a clap offering, amen. Together, together. Uh, with your giftings. That's why your contributions are so important. Never underestimate. Pastor, it's very little. Make it from your heart. Be generous. Uh, learn or just, just from, the, from the word of God, extract the principle. It's a principle of, of tithing. It's not for salvation. You're not going to lose your salvation. You might lose your, you know, your job, but you won't lose your salvation. <laughs> Um, we have to keep the, the lights off a little bit because some of you guys are not tithing. So I told the people, let's keep it dark. Thank you. Some of you guys haven't learned to give. Uh, so so we, we, that's our best we've got right there. If some of you give more, we'll bring up the lights a little bit more because thank you very much. Some of you guys want air conditioner? Chale con ese jale. Until you give, like, like we will afford some more air conditioner for you. So, just, just, I thank you guys. Thank you for believing in this mission. Thank you for like, when it comes to God, don't be a tipper, be a giver. When it comes to God, uh, don't tip him, give him from, from the generosity. Uh, be, um, uh, be generous with God because he, he sees the heart. Besides everything you have, everything you own, even your next breath belongs to God. It's God's. So, so you're being skimpy with the wrong person, right? You're, you're being a penny pincher with the guy that gives you everything. True story. I, I've shared it sometimes, but, you know, some time ago I bought some friends and some family members. We were McDonald's, and I just felt, hey, guys, I got it, you know. Just, I got it. Order what you want. Everybody ordered what they wanted. I ordered something that just, um, it didn't include french fries. Whatever I ordered, I forget exactly what it was, and, and a drink. And then just, just we were sitting in the table, and then the person that was across, across the table ordered a jumbo size, like extra large french fries. And I say, that person doesn't need that many french fries. Thank you. So let me do him a favor. I just reached over, grabbed two or three french fries. And the person became very upset, indignant, and said, hey, these are mine. And I just thought, I thought I paid for them, right? <laughs> I paid for them. But the person forgot or didn't, you know, because ultimately we're selfish. And so when it comes to God, don't be selfish. Like everything you have, everything, right? And what, he's, and what you're going to get belongs to God. And so when God sees you and he sees the way you worship and he sees the way you serve and he sees in the manner and in the spirit that you give, let God smile. Uh, and see you as somebody that God is going to continue to pour out his blessings or pour his blessings on you as somebody that he can trust you as a wise, wise steward. How many say amen? So I'm going to try and synthesize this, this uh, sermon. It will be fruitless, but I'm going to do my best to kind of keep it short. And so we are on a series that we've called Uncommon, Uncommon. Because this world, everything this world does is common or worse. Like this world's love is not real love. But God's love is uncommon love. That was our first message. And then commitment, uncommon commitment. That's trying to have all of us like, like develop the spirit of, of, of being all in. This, this weighing of where you stand in life, where you stand in your relationships, where you stand vis-a-vis -vis God's calling. And man, God wants you, hey, get on this side. Get on the side of being all in, committed. So we talked about uncommon commitment. Then came uncommon communication. The way, the manner, the spirit in which we communicate, that, that it be seasoned, the Bible says, that, that your communication would have just a touch of God. Maybe somebody's harsh, maybe, maybe you were raised when there was yelling, screaming, uh, you've been hurt by people's tone and, and their expression, maybe they've been, you've been called names, 
Maybe there's like no communication. And we talked about uh, let your communication be uncommon. Uh, Let it scale. Let it be divinely touched, divinely inspired. Let it be in keeping with the word of God. Have uncommon love. Demonstrate it. Uncommon commitment. uh, Show it. Uncommon communication. Express it. And then we talked about uncommon conflict. Um, And we talked more, more like uncommon coping skills. It really was, last week's message was about can you develop the skills necessary to cope, to to handle diversity or adversity, to handle tough moments. Some of us are going through maybe the toughest moment or the toughest episode uh, season in your life. Can can you ask the Holy Spirit for an uncommon wisdom, um, uncommon with itness, like in here, uh, uncommon, like will. Can you just just ask God for wisdom, will, withness, wherewithal, like the tools? And at the end of the day, just the direction that comes from God, the coping skills, if you will, to be able to handle conflict in a wise and in a constructive way, so that at the end of that conflict, at the end of whatever you're going through, let it not be in vain. So whatever you're going through, just don't let it be in vain. Learn the lesson. What is God trying to show you? What is God teaching you? Where is God leading you? Where is, he, where is, he, where is God taking you? Because wherever he's taking you, it'll be going through conflict. It'll go through the prism of conflict. Nobody, nobody gets into a, a situation where God promotes you and where that promotion is sustainable, sustainable, sustainable. Some of his blessings, some of us are about to lose. Everything that God has given you, or you maybe have lost it already and you've come here because says, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I've lost. I, I, I've come here as, as someone who's broken and trying to pick up the pieces. I guarantee you is that, that through that prism of conflict, you were not able to pass the test. I guarantee you. You led pride, prejudice, uh, envy, uh, anger, uh, maybe bitterness. Maybe you, you've blamed somebody. Maybe you've played the victim really well. Maybe you are somebody who's in anger. You are a manipulator. You manipulate or you've been manipulated and you, you feel resentful. And you've come here on crutches or broken and you're in the right place. I thank God for his anointing. I thank God that, that, that the, the spirit of God um, just, just is, is here in this place. And I feel God's favor. I feel God's anointing. Um, there's a, a message. There's a script. But, but I don't mind going off script. I, I want God to be glorified. I want God to speak to somebody. I want somebody to leave this, leave this place transformed changed from the inside out, convicted that the Holy Spirit has, you came in one way and you leave a totally different way because God touched you, because God ministered, because something broke that that needed to be broken or something got fixed that needed to be fixed in your heart. And I pray, I pray that that's the case today. And today I'm going to speak about uncommon influence. All of us have influence. The question is, is it regular, just normal, worldly influence, everyday influence? Or can you be the recipient? Can you be um, the, the, the purveyor of uncommon influence? Can, can you be a portal that God uses you? Can you be an instrument to be able to share and, and to be able to conta- contagious or contaminate others and influence, that's the word, influence others when uncommon influence. Would you, uh, um, our key verse every week has been the following, don't imitate the behavior and the customs of this world. There's a lot of people who are copycats. Normally, there's the five B's that people usually live uh, in life. Hopefully you'll live in the last three and not in just the first two. Everybody begs, a baby begs. People that are starting in a new field, a job, a ministry, we beg. And then we borrow, right? Just, just take things. You purloin, you, uh, you know, it's not even yours, but you borrowed it. And that's okay because the, the, the justification is that there's nothing new underneath the sun and everything belongs to God anyway. Okay, never. Okay, you borrow ideas and you borrow somebody else's sermon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you birth, hopefully you reach a level of maturity in your development in, in that area, in that sphere, in that um, profession that you begin to birth Something that's from you, your relationship, your own family, your own relationship with God. You reach a level of maturity that you're no longer just begging and borrowing, but you're birthing. You're, you're making a difference in other people's life. You are, you are connecting. Something's happening. There is something mystical, magical, mirror, miraculous in what you're doing. You're now a birther. And then uh, um, fourthly is that you not only, oh, you begin to build. So you beg, you, bo- you borrow, you birth. And then you're in the building stage. You're building a family. You're building a business. You're building an idea. You're writing a book. 
Uh, you start building, and then the last B is you're, you begin to bless people. You give it away. Everything that God has given you, you bless people. You bless people. And that's what we want this church to be. We want to bless others. How many say amen? amen. So don't imitate. Be your original. But everybody, I, I, start, I got off this little nice, perfect, beautiful tangent rabbit hole because don't imitate. You don't need to copy. Be an original. Uh, and don't imitate uh, the behaviors and the customs of this world, uh, but let God, give God access, give God permission, open the door to God's presence and spirit. Let God transform you. Metamorphosis is the word that he uses there in, in the Greek, metamorphosis. Let him metamorphosize you uh, into a new person, a new you, a new dad, a new mom, a new uh, a man, a new woman. Let God change you into a new person by changing you by changing the way you think, uh, the way you process, more pensive, more at peace, uh, more perspective, uh, the way you think, uh, don't let it be common or the way this world thinks. It's really, don't, don't be uh, morphed into this world. Then you will learn, you will learn because it's a, always a learning process to know God's will for you, God's will um, for you. And God's will is always good, uh, pleasing and perfect. This world's influence, it, we call it common influence, or let's call it common influence, the way we do relationships in this world, the way we do relationships. And then in your notes, if you have them, I mean, they're just really, this is a great outline. If you've got it, fill it out. It'll, it'll help you. Take it. Um, Daniel, I got it. Daniel, thank you. That's my boy. Like one month ago, he was this high. Like today, he's like this and uh, is like unnerving. Like when he approached me right now, like, yikes. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I got over it because, because I'm secure. Uh, common influence. So, so this world, the way we have influence, the way we have our relationships is this way. Common influence, it says I must and then protect myself. But I must protect that's the way a lot of us now live is, is the unprotective mode. You always have a, your, your shield is always up. Your defenses are always up. You, you get defensive. You get aggressive uh, because it's your way of protecting yourself because you've been taken advantage. Somebody hurt you, abused you, um, may, maybe um, um, mistreated you in such a way and at work or at home or when you were growing up. And now a lot of us, you can't engage in like a healthy relationships because you're always on the defense mode. You're always trying to not get hurt again. Um, the second way is I must benefit. So if you're gonna engage into a relationship, if you're in a job, if you're in a predicament situation, you say, hey, what is, what's in it for me? That's natural. All of it, hey, what's in it for me? Wow, what we, through the prism of how, you know, through um, selfishness, what's in it for me? So that's how most of us handle, or that's common influence. Those people that, that exercise common influence have these modalities, I must be in control. I must be in control. Um, and this, being in control, it's a, this just put be in control. Uh, I must control the situation, the relationship. Let me share something here to everybody here in the spirit of love. Most people that have to like be in charge, be, con be in control, um, what you do is you learn how to engage in what is called the art of manipulation. The art of manipulation. And it's very subtle. Um, you, you get angry at the right moment. You become aggressive at the other moment or passive. Uh, you cry if you have to. But, but you play the victim almost very perfectly because you've learned and then you don't tell the truth because and even if the question is not a, a got you question, so there's a lot of people who just engage this, why did I say that? That's not even true. But, but you've been uh, conditioned, a lot of us, uh, man, to, to try and stay in control of the situation, of the relationship. And it's called a manipulative spirit, a manipulative spirit. The Bible calls it, um, the Bible calls it witchcraft. I'll say that again, people that manipulate other people. The Bible calls it witchcraft. What you do is you conjure up something that's not the case. You conjure up a feeling. You conjure up a spirit in that relationship. Uh, you conjure up a, a you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, uh, an emotional um, distortion of the reality. And that is, the Bible calls it uh, witchcraft. In the Bible, God says, I hate that. Uh, it's an abomination. So I want to just call somebody who's either the victim or, or knows how to play the victim. Just, just examine your heart. Do you have to always be in control?
Okay, can you, can you, is it, is it okay if other people, uh, you allow other people to be, to be with you, to have it a team, to be something like, hey, we do this together. It's not just me, uh, my way or the highway. And then unfortunately for most people, I must win. So I must win. At the end of the day, I must protect, I must benefit, I must, uh, you know, be in control. And then ultimately, the reason why some of our relationships don't scale is because you've never really learned the art, the beauty, the, just the blessing of yielding, of letting somebody else carry the day. Somebody else, let somebody else win the argument. You win the, the relationship. You win the end result. Um, so people uh, in this, in this um, the common way, in terms of, of the way we handle people here, and your notes is like, like all of us have people... Um, issues. All of us do. People challenges. You don't have a, a challenge at work. You really don't. You have a challenge with the people at your work. You don't have uh, a problem with people, let's say, in church. I mean, you don't have problem with the church. Most of us don't. It's like the people that greeted you and, and then scowled at you or, or like, like maybe didn't have the right spirit, didn't, didn't reflect the spirit of this pastor in terms of the way we serve, the way we want to love you and serve you. And so it takes a more mature person to not take things personally and, and take offense, take umbrage when somebody doesn't treat you because all of us have people tell, we love our family. I mean, I love the family. I just can't stand some of the people in my family. Okay, you're not with me, right? This is just some of those people. I do have a, a crazy uncle or two. I have a tia que está media loca. That's, that's like, whoa, tia. Okay, you're not with me. As a matter of fact, some of you are here. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Uh, uh, um, so people will disappoint. Okay? People, people will disappoint you. So in your notes, uh, Jesus, you know, said, said to Peter, when Peter doubted him and he began to sink, and says, Peter, why, why did you doubt me? So like, we could tell that Jesus was disappointed. And his disciples, he says, oh, ye of little faith. He was disappointed several, many, many times. Even the disciples disappointed Jesus. So it's okay. You have to be prepared that people you care about love you and that you love and they love you. They're going to disappoint you. So you need to, one of those coping skills is to be already prepared. People are not perfect. You're not perfect. When you disappoint somebody, you want somebody to give you grace and mercy and favor. But when somebody disappoints you, a lot of us come like really hard. Uh, you're inflexible. You're very aggressive. You're very easy and very quickly uh, you put that other person in check when they disappoint you. But when you fall short, uh, you want mercy. Uh, you have reasons. You have justification uh, of why you made that mistake. So people, speaking of mistakes, people make mistakes. It is natural, it is normal, it is common for people to disappoint, for you to disappoint those you love and those that care about you and vice versa. But it's also, the, the reason is because all of us makes mistakes. And, and Peter just, just ha happened to tell Jesus uh, that he is the rock, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so Jesus is all excited. So Jesus takes him apart and says, hey, Peter, I'm going to go, you know, the Son of Man will be crucified and I will go to the cross uh, in redemption of, the, of this world. And, and, and Peter just gets off the spirit or off of, and he begins to say to Jesus, you'll, nope, nope, uh, you will not go to the cross. You will not die on a cross. And Jesus says to Peter and calls him Satan. And you know that you're in trouble with God when he calls you this is Satan. Like, hey, Satanas, right? Hey, you devil. Like, when God calls you devil, like, man, that's a different level. You, you know, get behind me, devil. And, and why is this, this is Jesus? He didn't lose his nerve. Jesus was saying, hey, the reason why I'm called is that you need to get behind me because you want to stumble. You are a stumbling block. Just ask yourself, are you a stumbling block to somebody else's development, to somebody else's plan that God has for their life? Are you the stumbling block? Is it something in you, your spirit? Is there somebody that God has put in your sphere of influence in, in your orbit, in your orbit as a, as a dad, mom, a brother, sister, friend, uh, leader in church, that now you've become a stumbling block. And, and have you allowed somebody to, to become a stumbling block for you? Have you, have you not uh, able to rise above it and not take things personally and learn the lesson that God is trying to show you? Don't put your eyes on man. Put your eyes on God. Put your eyes on God. And said, for you are mindful of the things of, you're not mindful of the things of God. He tells Peter, the reason you're a stumbling block, the reason uh, you've, you know, you've, uh, 
Uh, you're, you're acting the way you are is because your mind is not on the things of above or the eternal things, but they're the things of this world. Um, people are selfish. So in your notes, uh, just, just people are selfish. So people will disappoint. Um, uh, people are going to fall short in terms of, um, you, know, um, you know, people will disappoint you. Uh, people will basically um, ignore or... or um, let me see here. Uh, make mistakes. People um, will be selfish. People are selfish. So at the end of the day, everybody here, there's a selfish person in all of us that, that thinks of me. What's in it for me? And so uh, God is dealing with Peter. Jesus is. And uh, he asks them to stay awake. They're in Gethsemane. And they're not able to stay awake. Not just Peter. James and John are there as well. And he says, hey, guys, could you not stay with me? Uh, because at the end of the day, this, the flesh is weak, the Bible says. That your spirit wants to honor God, but man, this world and this flesh, this fallen world, uh, is a tough um, um, terrain to navigate. And so could you not keep watch with me for one hour? And then at the end of the day, people might betray you. Not everybody. But there is the tendency in all of us to fall short, to betray the people we want, we love, we, we care about, and or to be betrayed, and it goes back and forth. Some, sometimes somebody disappoints you. Sometimes this, that the mistakes hurt, mistakes that we make. Uh, sometimes we, we fall so short that we end up betraying those that we love, those people that we love the most. And so you, you remember when Jesus, when uh, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter said, never. I'm willing to go to the, to the cross with you. That same, a few hours later, he's in a, a, a bonfire outside. Jesus has been arrested. And there's, he begins to get accused. And he begins to curse, say bad words, curses. And then he says, to, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know that man. And they were talking about Jesus. At that moment, another gospel says that Jesus comes out uh, of the, of the uh, judicious room, the petroleum, petrorio, petorio, and he comes out of the petroleum, and Jesus, the Bible says, just looks at him. And there was just that gaze that said it all. And then right there, Peter understood that he had uh, crossed the line, and he went and wept bitterly. Now, I want you to see this... this um, um, so now I say unto you, and yet Jesus kept believing in Peter. So Jesus kept believing in Peter. So um, I don't know if I wrote that quote or not. Let me see if I did. Let me see. Uh, I, I didn't. Um, let me just go back. So Jesus tells Peter, um, you know, you are, you are Peter. Simon, you're not Simon, you're Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. You are uh, going to be a cornerstone for the church that I'm going to build. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So, so you need to believe the best in people, even after the worst experiences. So the point is, you need to believe the best in people. You need to believe and expect the best in people. Keep believing and expecting the best, even after the worst experiences. God believes the best in you. God believes in you. God still expects the best. Even after you and I, many of us have underperformed. I mean, we have not done and lived up to what you know and I know in our hearts. God's expectations for you and me to live by. And I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about having divine, uh, righteous influence. Being somebody that God uses to impact others in the best and right way. And so God tells Peter, hey, I still believe in you. After he calls him Satan, after Jesus, after Peter betrays him or denies him, and yet Jesus still says, says to Peter and tells you, I believe in you, and you're going to be somebody important in my kingdom. Even when Jesus knew that Peter had betrayed him, will, would betray him, and so here's Jesus reckoning with him. All Jesus wants to know from Simon and from you, do you love him? That's it. Like, Pastor, I'm here today, and I'm in good shape. Or, Pastor, I'm here today, but I'm not in good shape. I'm struggling. I know my lifestyle. I know what I'm doing. It doesn't scale. It doesn't meet his expectations. It doesn't meet the filters of the Word of God. And I know I'm under-living, underperforming. But that's not the question. The question is not, not can, you, can you perform? The question is, do you have a heart that still loves God? 
do you, do, you, do you still feel convicted? Do you still want to get it right? Do you still understand the, the eternal implications, the eternal? So don't, don't lose the eternal for something temporary. Don't bargain. Don't uh, pawn. Don't pawn your future. Don't pawn eternity in heaven. Don't pawn um, God's calling on your life, sister or mister. Uh, for a temporary pleasure, for a temporary uh, fix, or a, a temporary preference and predilection. Don't do that. Uh, so what is it that God has called you to? Who are you in God? And, and he says, Peter, do you still, do you, do you love me? Not once, twice, and thrice. He says, do you, do you love me? Uh, the third time Peter felt convicted, he felt sad, the Bible said. He felt sad because for three times Jesus was insisting, hey, let's get this one right. Let's get this one right. Do you love me? Yes or no? And then Peter is humbled. He says, he tells Jesus, you know everything. I can't fool you. I don't even know uh, myself as well as you know me. And he says, you know everything and you know that I love you. And here it is. Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. So if you do, then get busy. Get back on assignment. Get back for the purpose you were created to do. Like, muévete. Get, get going. Like, dust yourself off. We're good. You and I, we're good, Peter. We're good. So feed my sheep. Let's get, uh, let's get going with the business, with the kingdom business of building the kingdom of God. How many say amen? Amen. So your influence, my influence, is not determined by the level of success, but by the ability to help others succeed. So this is a great definition of success, uh, by, of influence. Influence, by the way, is your ability to, uh, it's a power you have over people of persuasion. The power of persuasion to make an impact and leave, um, uh, uh, and leave uh, a mark. It's the power of persuasion, by more not just by words, but mostly by the way you will behave. That, that you begin to influence others. Others begin to see you as the leader, as, as somebody they want to imitate, uh, they want to be, be with, they respect. Or if they don't, then you have the negative kind of influence. But influence is the power to persuade, to, to influence, to shift somebody else's way of thinking and behavior by your influence or by your presence uh, or by your words, but especially by your actions. So my influence is not determined by the level of my success. It's not the title, it's not the car uh, I drive or where I live that is going to influence. Ooh, it's not. It's the manner of our relationship. It's, it's how we get along, is, is how much access do we give each other in terms of, of you giving me permission to be a pastor. Um, you're coming here and say, Pastor, uh, we love or we love Lifehouse or it's not a perfect church, but we see where we're going and we're about reaching the lost and, and re retaining the next generation and we want to disciple the believer. We want to equip and, and empower emerging leaders and we want to multiply. I'm all in. So that's your permission you give us to be an influencer. But you can decide, nope, uh, I'm not going to be influenced and I'm not going to influence others in that capacity. So my influence is not determined by the level of my success, but the ability, the ability to help others. By your ability to help others. So here it is. How do you become a, an influencer with righteous uh, influence? An influencer with righteous, with eternal influence. So here it is. Number one uh, in your notes is a focus on the person. So for, focus on people. That's, that's not, not projects on people. A lot of times we get caught on projects or programs and, and or my particular way of doing things. And we forget that, man, we're dealing with, with family, with brothers and sisters and siblings and mom and dad or husbands and wives. It's people at work. It's people uh, that you're dealing with. So, so give everybody their sphere of respect. Everybody the sphere, know who you are and that will allow you to treat others the way and in the manner that they're supposed to be treated. And when somebody begins to cross the line, you have enough influence, enough righteous influence uh, to say, nope, this, this is not who I am. This is not how, uh, how we uh, behave or the way we comport ourselves, the way we, we influence each other. Paul says to the Philippians, don't be selfish. So don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble. I, I love this verse. 
be humble. So let this mind that was in Jesus Christ, let this feeling that was in Jesus Christ also be in you, is what Paul's saying in Philippians 2. That he being God, he did not presume, he did not take on the title, come with a title to this, to this world. But he humbled himself and became a man, a servant, to, to, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, and he says, and a servant that was willing to go to a cross and died for you and for me, be humble, have this mindset that was also in Jesus. That's what every, and that's why God has exalted him. Like Paul continues to say in this thing, God has given him a name that is above all name. That is why every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because he humbled himself. Because being God, he did not come uh, parading himself like God, but rather he became a servant to humanity. And, and don't think yourself, don't think, uh, thinking that others are better than yourself. So be humble, thinking that others, give them deference. Treat them like more special, than, than better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. How many say amen? You want to have divine influence, I mean righteous influence. You want to be somebody that leaves an impact, that leaves a mark, a positive mark. Like my parents left on me, my pastors left on, on my heart. I wouldn't be here today without my parents. My mom was a righteous woman of God. She was a prayer warrior. My mom like believed in miracles. She prayed for people that got sick. From time to time, somebody would become like demon possessed or, or demon oppressed. And in our church where I grew up, they would call my mom. And so when my mom would receive the call, she would tell my dad, which my dad was, a, was not as fiery. He was not as Pentecostal, if you will. But my dad was really a righteous man. He, my, guard was, my, my dad was disciplined. My dad was a thinker. My dad was very, very rarely uh, lost his, his temper. Very rarely my dad would lose his temper. But my mom would lose her temper all the time. The chanclas would fly. <laughs> the just, the, the, da, 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 da. That's where I, I learned all my moves. <clears throat> all my, I'm not kidding. One time she was hitting me. And it, I don't know, I don't remember. I think she found a rope or something and she was like, and I was just like, whoa, like, and she hit me near the head, the ice. So I like, how do I take my mom off of me? So I start saying, mom, I go, my eye. And I go to the ground and I start looking for my eye. I'm not kidding. And my mom says, where, where is it? She starts, she starts looking for the eye too. And it was just a temporary re re reprieve until peekaboo <laughs> and then my mom goes right back at it praise God but my mom would be called to pray for like people that were oppressed or demon possessed as a matter of fact I see some of you right now yeah. uh, my, my point is is that what is my point oh focus on the positive that is my point <laughs> I got a little lost, <laughs> a little lost, not a lot, but, but we tend to see the worst in people, right? We tend to see the worst in people and not the, the positives in other people. And, and, and the, I want to just remind you that everybody has something that God has placed in their life that gives them virtue. Like my mom, you know, her positives, whether she really was a genuine spiritual prayer warrior, she was used of God. And from time to time, uh, she was a, a sharp, uh, t you know, um, she would show her emotions on her sleeve. She would show her emotions. But she loved God. And on my dad's side, he was more calm and, uh, but, and was not as spiritual as my mom. But he had incredible influence over my life. Uh, incredible influence. And so be or focus not only on the person, but focus on positive, being positive, remain positive. Uh, identify those areas that, where that person shows virtues. See where that person scales. Uh, identify the good things, the righteous things, the proper things. Look for the good in people and not for the, not for the negatives. Uh, Paul says to the Ephesians, instead be kind to each other. I love this word tenderhearted. It means sensitive. It means be sensitive to other people, forgiving one another. Here's the word forgiveness. Just as God through, uh, through Christ has forgiven you. 
Um, so you want righteous influence. Be kind, be tender-hearted, be sensitive, and forgiving to one another. Uh, number three, focus uh, righteous, uh, righteous um, influence. Uh, focus on potential. So you focus on the person. Uh, you focus on the good things, the positive people, the positives that that person brings to the table in that relationship. Focus on the positives and not on the negatives. It's okay to, I'm not saying not be realistic. Be realistic so that you can identify and how are you going to work through coping skills, through coping skills. How are you going to manage difficult moments where the situation is tense or terse? Uh, focus on the potential of the person because God has given each of you each of us, a gift uh, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Everybody has good things. Is what a, uh, Every good and perfect gift comes from our heavenly father, uh, from, uh, from heaven in whom there is no variance and there's no shadow. Uh, every good and perfect. Everybody has virtues. Everybody has positives. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has something worthy of praise or acknowledgement or affirmation. Uh, even in a tough situation, don't throw out the baby with the bath water. Um, but, and then use those gifts, use them well to serve one another. Use those gifts well to serve one another. I've been sharing a story that came to my mind here in terms of just identifying positives and seeing potential. When I was the principal of Cesar Chavez High School in Delano, um, a young man came and interviewed to become a math teacher. His name is Pete Perez. And, and he's a, just a, he was a, a young man, fresh out of college, math major. We needed math teachers. But in the interview, he did not do well at all. He's very, very shy, um, spoke very softly, almost said nothing beyond the, the question. He answered it just like one sentence questions, and that was it. And, and I was everybody there. In the, it was a very short interview. And it, we were a team of four. I was the principal and three assistants, the principals, and we were just doing interviews. And, and everybody just checked them off as, nope, not, we're not going to hire this person, doesn't have the right personality, doesn't show, you know, doesn't show promise. And I was just looking through his, as he was interviewing, saying almost nothing. I was just looking through his, uh, paginating through his, uh, through his resume. And I saw that, hey, he, he went to a, a Christian college. And, and that means something. It doesn't. Didn't mean that, that he was going to get hired. It just mean, okay. And he went to a, a Catholic school. You know, that, that's awesome. Here, Garces, he was a Garces graduate. He was a cross-country runner in his resume. He was a, a local regional champion, uh, you know, uh, here in the, in, the, in the league, a league champion for cross-country. He ran cross-country for college, and I saw that. And I don't know if you know anything about cross-country runners. That, that requires a lot of discipline. I ran cross country. I did for about three weeks and then I quit. It's true. I quit because it's hard. Every mile as I ran cross country, every mile I wanted to quit. I, I would say, what am I doing here? Like, like for what? Like, where's my prize? Where's my reward? And I, and I ran for McFarland, by the way, before they won all those championships. And Coach White, Jim White, uh, the, the, he says, Saul, you're the greatest runner that never ran. I'm not sure what to do with that. Was that a compliment or, 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 or you're the great, okay. So I, I saw and I said, you know what guys, I like him. Like the, the team said, like what? I know, I see potential. In his background, hidden in these pages, I saw a potential like, like a great teacher. And so I overruled them, we hired uh, Pete. He came on board. The first year he struggled mightily. In the classroom, I think his kids were totally in charge and um, just struggling. And so we started working on classroom management, lesson development, lesson delivery, how you deliver a lesson so that it's not too long like this message, like make it shorter. Thank you. Um, barely made it through the year, barely. So when we're like, do we bring them back or not? Everybody said no. And I, I went and had a conversation with Pete. I go, Pete, you're marginal at best, Pete. And I know you're trying, but I, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask you, if I give you one more chance, will I regret it? Or will you end up exonerating my decision? Will, will you make me feel like, make me look good and not regret that we went a second chance, a second year with you? And he looked into, he, he looked at my eyes and he says, Mr. Gonzalez, 
you give me one more year, you won't regret it. You, you won't regret it. I will become the teacher you, you expect me to be. I have it in me. And I could see it. I could see potential. That second year, man, he blossomed. He became a, like a really strong teacher, or at least an average teacher by the end of the year. The next year, he was like even better, third year. Uh, by the fourth year, I, I think I was uh, moved to the uh, assistant superintendent's office. I became the assistant superintendent. And why not? Why wouldn't I get promoted? That's, that's what I thought. What about you? Okay. Sorry, I got a little defensive. I've been hurt. That's not true. That's not true. So in around the third year, fourth year, fifth year, he, he gets a, an administrative credential. He becomes an assistant, an assistant principal. He becomes a principal. And today he's a principal. He's doing really well. He married a great young lady named Leslie. They have two or three kids. But after that second year, after that second year, after he made tenure, right? He, he didn't owe me any favors. I didn't owe him any favors. He made tenure on his own. Um, he, every Christmas, he would bring a ham. Um, Daniel, am I telling the truth? Yeah. Every year, he brings a, a, a ham for Christmas. And... And he hasn't missed like for 20 years, every year. And he'll bring a card, a Christmas card, signed with, with Leslie and a picture of his kids. And he says, Mr. Gonzalez, thank you for believing. Thank you for believing in me. Like, thank you for believing in me. That's it. Thank you for believing. And he'll tuck in a little, <laughs> besides the ham, he'll tuck in a little bit of an offering, which a lot of people, I have not seen cards from a lot of you. So, like, what's going on? A little just, like, like, like dinner is on us. Here's the ham. Buy the rest of the trimmings. Just one thing. In my heart, I saw potential. It was not there. He was not ready. It would have been easier. It would have been the safe call. The safe call would have been, hey, go try some other school. Uh, because we had high standards. Can you, can I tell you, with all my heart. God would not have picked you to be on his team if God had not given you potential. If God had already gifted you with gifts to scale. If you can see it, if you could say, God, I'm gonna prove you right. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for bringing me to your kingdom. Now I'm gonna act, I'm gonna behave, I'm gonna walk in keeping with your trust with your confidence, with your opportunity for me to live for you, for your glory, I, you're not going to be ashamed. You're not going to regret the fact that you died on, the, on Calvary and you called me and you called me to be your son or your daughter and you called me to be part of your family and I'm going to live in such a way that I'm gonna make you proud. You're not going to regret dying on a cross for me because I'm gonna get my act together. I'm gonna get my act together. The fourth one, just write it down, purpose. Um, uh, focus on your purpose, focus on your purpose, write it down. And then the fifth one is focus on the process. Focus on the process. There's a purpose and there's a process. I'm gonna close here. There's a process, focus on the process. Part of the process is here. Here's a gem, don't judge others. So stop judging, stop criticizing, stop being negative, stop being pessimistic, stop throwing in the towel, stop cursing at people, uh, stop seeing people uh, for how they act instead of how God sees them. And then you will not be judged. Stop condemning others and you will not be condemned. Forgive others and then you will be forgiven from, by God. You will be forgiven. Um, I love this quote by, by Bill, uh, Billy Hornsby. He's the, the father of Chris Hodges, a great man of God. He's the, the father-in-law of Chris Hodges. They asked him in his deathbed, what's your greatest accomplishment in life? What's your greatest accomplishment in life? And he says, my greatest accomplishment is, um, accomplishment in life are someone else's accomplishments. Like, like I'm an influencer. Never built a school, never built a church, never did any great thing, but people that he influenced, there were like, like there was like 10 or 12 people that our world are known around the world. And Billy, uh, 
Uh, Billy influenced them. Hornsby influenced them to become great. And he says, my greatest accomplishment are somebody else's. Somebody else's. Uh, Andy Stanley says, the greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may be not something you do, but someone you raise. Dad, mom. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about you hanging in there, mom. It's about you like saying, okay, I'm going to hang in there because, man, I've got, I've got other boats around me. I've got other people that are waiting and depending on me. And you know what? Maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's not about my felicity, your happiness. Maybe it's not about you, mister or sister. Maybe it's about those that you're raising. That boy, that girl, that, that family, those children that God has given you. Maybe they need you more than you think they do. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe nobody was there for you, mom, dad. Maybe, maybe that's why we're struggling in such a way because there's something that's not maybe healthy. Would you bow your heads? I don't know. I, for those of you online, thank you very much for being with us online. Thank you. We, we, we treasure your time. We value your viewership, your contributions, your prayer. Thank you for those of you online. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for believing in the mission and the vision of this church. For those of you that are here, worship team, would you guys come? Would you guys come? Just, just a very solemn moment. If somebody is here today says, Pastor, my life is not right with God, period. If that's you, my life is not right with God and I want to make it right. If that's you right now, would you just lift up your hands because I want to say a prayer for you, man. Gracias. Thank you. I see hands everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. My life is not right. I want to get it right. That's simple. That's simple. And it takes bold. It takes a, a bold moment to say, that's me. And I want to get my life right with God. And I want to ask him for forgiveness and to make me his son and his daughter. I want to ask God to make things right. For those of you that lifted up your hands up in that balcony and here in this, um, I, I want everybody, church, would you say this prayer with me? Church, say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess my need of you. I need a savior. Be my savior and forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for righteous influence. Help me live in such a way that makes you smile. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering here with me? Thank you so very much for joining us today on the LifeHouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.